0: This is Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and I am your host, Mark. Brian McSweeney and Sean Rios from Mirrors were kind enough to join me for this episode. They began the band as a duo, taking their time writing music together and slowly making this into a very unique project. Brian and Sean recount how they met on a plane and bonded over the second Sigur album. They were both working with different bands, but there was definitely something there. When they finally had the opportunity to play together, they realized it was something special. When they expanded the band to include Dimitri Rakuba, they knew they really had to give this some serious attention. And everything solidified with the addition of Andre Miller and Patrick Riley. With most of the songs already written, they set about the task of figuring out how to play them live with several extra people in the band. But they documented it and hopefully we will be releasing that soon. Their debut album, Motion Pictures, is crazy catchy without having solos because they approached the album's writing, arranging, and even sequencing like they were writing a movie. Their first single was a cover of a Jeff Buckley demo, Gunshot Glitter. They even had Jeff's drummer, Matt Johnson, playing on it, so you know it's good. You have to check these guys out. Follow them on Instagram at mirrors underscore music. That's M-I-I-R-R-O-R-S. And mirrors on Bandcamp. Look for upcoming tours and more info on the way. And follow us at Performance Anx on the socials. Merchandise is at performanceanx.threadless.com, or send us a coffee at ko-fi.com/slash performance anxiety. And now, prepare to be blown away by Brian and Sean from Mirrors on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network.
1: Yeah, sure. This is Brian from Mirrors, and this is this is performance. Wait, let me let me think that. Let me think about this. I was going to say I have performance anxiety, but uh, <laughs> maybe uh, it's too on the nose. This is Brian. This is Brian from Mirrors, and you're listening to performance anxiety. Sean,
2: this is Sean from Mirrors, and you're listening to the. Poop. <laughs> Hold that on one second. This is Sean from Mears, and you're listening to the Performance Anxiety Podcast. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's probably fine. I mean, it's up to you. What do you
1: think? I mean, like you said, the yeah. the whole podcast is promoting the album, so I think we're good.
0: I'm getting in myself a little drink to clear my throat and it's not working. I've got, a, I got a little, it's like two fingers of bullet and I decided to throw in a little bit of shambord because my daughter's boyfriend right. got us uh, some shambord for uh, Christmas and we haven't used it too much. So I was like, ah, let me see what that does.
2: No, it's actually a nice move, man. We did that when I worked at this bar for a long time.
0: Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah.
2: I, that was like, like the, like the, like the employee shifty. That was the, that was the drink.
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I'm waiting to open. It. I haven't opened it yet. But I'm I'm dying to is What's going on? black rebel motorcycle club. What is that? It's, Where's that from? Uh, it's from Few Distilleries. They did it in conjunction with Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, and I haven't tried it yet. I'm dying to.
2: And f- that's cool. it is is so good.
0: Oh yeah. Well, Few is me. I've had Pete and Leah from BRMC on, and I'm I'm tr- I was trying to ply Robert with a uh, tasting as a a reason to come on the podcast and he hasn't responded yet so we'll see
2: (laughs) we're big fans of that band like they're they're wonderful
0: oh they're amazing and pete and Leah are the sweetest people on the planet they're just so nice they're one of the first people i had on the podcast so i was kind of really blown away yeah so Actually, I'll tell you this real quick to kind of break the ice a little bit. So I reached out, you know, uh, several years ago, Leah was diagnosed with uh, Chiari malformations in her brain and she had to have brain surgery. And then she had to do this whole recovery to almost kind of relearn how to play drums again. And no yeah, so I reached out to her on Twitter and I was like, I don't know if you get these messages or anything, but if you're interested, I love the band and i would love to learn about the recovery i'm you know I, I you know hung in and watched on social media your your whole the surgery the recovery everything i but i want to know how everything's going i want to know more about it what happened all about yeah. it
2: and yeah, i like that
0: and she reached out uh it was like i didn't hear anything for like three months i kind of figured i'd never ever hear anything but she reached out and she's like yeah i'd love to let's let's do it so i set it up and I'm about to record, and she's like, "Hey, Pete's here. Yeah, you know, would you mind if he hopped on?" I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. That's so, cool. Yeah, so all of that being said, I am so h- thrilled to have you guys on. I've been listening to the album, and it's killer. I, I just, I love it. It's just, it's infectious. To, it. I love the whole sound and and the, the feeling through the whole album. It's it's. It's fantastic. Thank you.
1: That's awesome. Thank you. We really um, we were happy to to finally um, button it up, and and we're happy to share it with the world.
0: (laughs) Well, what I want to find out is how you guys got into music in the first place. I like to connect the dots from what happened early on to get you into music to the you know most recent release and what what you're doing now. So, and I I guess Brian, we'll, we'll start with you. What? really impacted you early on in music was it stuff that family was playing or was it something you found on your own
1: my mom and dad were in a southern gospel quartet I grew up in West Virginia oh wow and there was a lot of bluegrass music around and um it was my mom and dad and then my dad's parents and they had a regional kind of family gospel band they made four albums they had a van with their name and their logo airbrushed on the back of it. oh nice and um I remember I was on their albums when I was maybe two and three years old. I was in recording studios singing on their albums and singing in churches. Um, I remember that stuff. My toys were wow. instruments, some real, some, some play. So music was just <laughs> always around. And um, I think when I really started, my first memory of really um, making it my own was when We were on a long drive in my dad's old um, Ford. What were those Mustang? A canary yellow Mustang to Florida. We were on a road trip with the family to Florida, and they were listening to Neil Diamond, and I remember um, harmonizing to Neil Diamond, the jazz singer. We would listen to that album in its entirety several times, all the way to Florida and back from West Virginia. Yeah, that was the first time I remember thinking about it and understanding harmonies. And and then from there, it was, uh you know, I think the first band I was ever in, the first time I ever played with other people was at a seventh grade. Is that right? Seventh? Yeah, it was a seventh grade kind of a dancer. I don't, it was just my band played in the gym and a bunch of people came. I'm not
0: sure. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, so we had a band in seventh grade already. I mean, not really. We just
1: <laughs> learned a handful of songs. It was like a, a bunch of guys who learned a handful of songs, and we played one time. That's not true. We played a few times. But sounds like a seventh grade And then from there, you know, you just like get into it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Hopefully, get better. Keep practicing. All
0: right, so I have one question for you before we move on. Where in where in West Virginia? Because I live in Winchester, so I'm like right on the West Virginia border.
1: Okay. It's Huntington, West
0: Virginia. Okay. Okay. I'm familiar. It's the Southwest part of the state. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's like the exact opposite of where I'm at. I'm up on the border of Northeast, West Virginia, Northeast, West Virginia.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're on the opposite part of the state. I'm right by Kentucky and Ohio or was when I was growing up.
0: Right. All right. Okay. All right. So Sean, what about you? What made an impact on you early on and how did you get into playing music?
2: I think the best part the part where I win is that <laughs> my brother is uh, 10 years older than me and my stepbrother Steve is uh, five or six years older than me. And my cousins were all about five or six years older than me. But the best part about all that is that none of them like the same music. Oh, cool. And yeah, so while I would be with my cousins every single Friday and Saturday, they'd be into eighties, pop, new wave. A lot of new wave stuff. Thompson Twins, Culture Club. Oh, nice. Um, A lot of George Michael. But then at the same time, whenever I was with my mom, we'd listen to soul records. Just because we had a record player, a lot of soul. A lot of soul and disco from my mom. So I got into black music.
0: Man, moms are good for soul and disco. That's mom stuff.
2: I know. I know. I I was talking with my brother about just that. (laughs) But also, at the same time, my brother was playing me three records specifically pink floyd dark side of the moon paranoid by black sabbath and uh led zeppelin 4 and then hanging out with steve steve was into the cool kid music he was going to berlin he was going to the clubs he was going to medusas and smart bars so he was he was into like susie and the banshees oh, wow. all the 4ad bands my bloody valentine yeah. bauhaus new order you know all that all of that Japesh mode uh, 101 like all that stuff man
0: oh wow so
2: Yeah, I figured out at nine years old that that was something that I wanted to participate in, that I actively wanted to spend a big part of my life participating in that. I didn't know what that meant, but I did know that it was drums, you know, and it was at that point that I decided that I would pursue that, but I didn't have my first drum kit and I wasn't like into a, in a band until I was 16. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was I was kind of pretending to think I was gonna be a visual artist for my life.
0: I I understand that one. I pretended to do that for like thirty years. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors.
3: Hello Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds.
0: Before you skip over this ad, give me one minute. Like most podcasts, I pick sponsors carefully and I use the products that advertise here. Pure Spectrum CBD is a product that has been really beneficial for me. They have a wide variety of great products that can be used on a daily or as needed basis. I've been using the tincture every day and it's been wonderful for easing anxiety. And I absolutely love the isolate. I use it instead of acetaminophen or ibuprofen. And it's worked so well for the relief of aches and pains. They also have soaks, lotions, salves, gummies, and more, plus an entire line for fitness recovery. They even have products for your pets. See everything they offer at PureSpectrumCBD.com. And if you have questions, they're there to help. They helped me when I had no idea where to start. After you fill your cart, use code PERFORMANCEANX for 15% off your purchase. Pure Spectrum CBD. Pure Spectrum CBD.
2: Yeah, and, and that's what I did for a long. I was an illustrator for a long time, but it, it wasn't. I should have went to music school. Oh man. So I am always very shy and insecure about my place in music, and all of my my learning has been through sort of absorption of of records and watching people do it, and being a visual learner, not by someone teaching me. Although. Yeah. It was in the early oh, it's like 2004, 2005, when I started taking a couple lessons with our friend, Matt Johnson. And he was the first person to actually sit down and go over conceptual things with me, going over technical, but really thinking uh, of your body, of your limbs, your breath being a fifth limb and how you breathe indicates the way that you're able to carry your posture and carry out what you play and really allow yourself to be free. So that wow. was, you know, but I'm, I'm really going way off. Man, but that's,
0: <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. That's what I love about doing this podcast. And I may subtitle this one mirrors and their fifth limb.
1: Oh god, <laughs> that could be really horribly. <laughs> it's a new album title. <laughs> we get canceled for right? <laughs> yeah. Can't so, have it, man. No,
2: that, that's, that's so really funny. fantastic Article title, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine, dude? Can you imagine mirrors and their fifth limb? <laughs> <laughs> so bad. That that's would really be amazing. Good, I but, would buy yeah. that. Oh so bad. I
0: would definitely buy that or read it or whatever yeah. it is.
2: Yeah. You would, you would, yeah, you'd get it. Yeah. You'd
0: subscribe. <laughs> I would for sure. So how did the two of you meet? Uh, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> we, met on,
2: we, we, we met on an airplane. Um, we go back and forth. Probably 22, 23 years ago, 22 years ago, something like that. We on an around. airplane. We were on the back of a flight to Atlanta for different reasons. And it was a very empty flight. He sat behind me with his Sony Walkman. I noticed this guy with a beanie cap. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> it's wearing all black like I am. And he tapped me on the shoulder some later in the flight too. It wasn't like right when we got on. And I think I was just trying to relax and take a nap or something. And I looked behind and he gave me these headphones and he said, listen to this. So I did. Um, <laughs> That's that so the first random. Thing yeah and it was and it wound up and i'm not going to pronounce the name of the song because i can't so with respect to the song it was it was sigarosa's um first big it's weird to say hit they don't right. make it, but you know what i mean it was their big hit it was the big It's like, like whatever the first wasn't it like whatever was the first track on the album yeah yeah, yeah. It was the first track of that record it was on the vanilla sky soundtrack which kind of caught a lot of people's ears at that point for them when they were right. coming out and uh, I, I was like, well, I've never heard this before. And I'm just thinking to myself, this guy must be pretty cool if this is the kind of music that he's into. And we uh, exchanged information and, and you know, Brian has said before, we we really spent time in each other's orbits in different ways. And he was in a band that I began to really admire once I found out who they were, became a big fan and then got to know the band. And, you know, later on when Brian and I were friends, I got to play with them.
0: So but, is that Matthew? Uh,
2: yeah, that was bad.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's cool stuff, man. I listened to that. I like that. Awesome.
4: No better way than this? To break-
2: I am a fan. I still am a fan.
0: Yeah, that that's it's definitely different from mirrors, but it's you know I can actually hear a little Mm -hmm. bit of a connection. Maybe it's just maybe it's just the way Brian writes and sings, but I can definitely hear like um, almost an embryonic mirrors in some of what you guys did in in Matthews. So, and I also liked the uh, song you did on the Prayer Chain tribute, Bendy Line. That was really cool. Wow, where in the world did you find that? Yeah, I do my research.
1: Mind
4: to
1: A long
0: time ago. Wow, <laughs> that's really good. I
1: like that. I, and to be where fair, where did you find it? Is it up on Spotify? Uh,
0: no, there's. Um, That'd be cool if it was. I, I don't know because I don't listen to music through Spotify. I just listen to podcasts through Spotify. Okay, but gotcha. I do a lot of research through Discogs, and you'd be surprised at oh, how many. No shit, yeah, you'd be surprised at how many Brian uh, McSweeney's there are on Discogs, but you're definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, interesting. That prayer chain tribute album is up on there, and then I found the video on YouTube. Okay, awesome, that's cool. So, so it's definitely up there, and yeah, I wasn't that's one of my favorite
1: songs, man. Prayer chain was like they were a band who was technically a, I mean, they were on a Christian label, and they all came from like Christian homes. But there was this scene, like in the in the mid to late nineties, where there were a lot of bands that, like, legitimately were really solid bands that weren't cheesy. Um, but the prayer chain particularly, like they had that, that song was on an album called Mercury and it was like their last full album of original music. There was like a, uh, like a supplemental album that came out after that, that had some B sides and stuff, but the album Mercury it's, I'll go back now. And like, honestly, what it really sounds like is it sounds like smashing pumpkins, Gish, like that was what was really the thing at the time. And you can tell that's who they wanted to be. But listen to, you know, not, I mean, I guess Mercury, but their first album was called Shawl, S-H-A-W-L. And it sounds like, it sounds like a precursor to Gish. Oh, wow. But, um, but The Prayer Chain, that album is just, to this day, I mean, it's probably in my, one of my, it's probably like one of my top 10 favorite albums. Wow. It's just like such a complete such a masterpiece of an album. Every song is a 10, every single song and every song puts you in a different visual space. And it, it, every song feels different and is very unique, but every song on that album is a 10. And it's just like such a crime that that band just broke up and never, I mean, this should have been on Atlantic records or, or on oh, Virgin wow. records. They should have been an international. Yeah. They should have been superstars. I'm-
0: Definitely check that out. Cause that's the kind of stuff that I love. The first couple of Smashing Pumpkins albums are two of my favorites of all time by anybody. So, here. Yeah. so when did you guys start playing together? So Brian, you were in Matthew doing your thing and, and I mm-hmm. don't know how long that lasted. So you guys were obviously staying yeah. in touch, but when did you guys start to actually play together?
1: Well, I had left Chicago. I was in Chicago. I moved there when when Matthew was a band. We were I was there. It was from '99 to probably 2007. And I Matthew kind of fell apart around 2005. I'd say we got dropped from Ryko Disc, and um, one of the members quit. And we just I mean, to be completely honest with you, we lost faith in ourselves. We were on tour in Europe. We got dropped from the label at the end of a tour. We found out on the flight on the way home. Oh. On the same flight, one of our band members quit, and we just—it was a really rough time. And we just—we tried. We wrote a second album, large—the large larger part of a second album and that we uh, recorded, like okay. kind of in demo form, but it was never released. Oh wow! And the band just kind of fizzled out. So I was living out of the state. I was living away, and um, in two thousand fourteen. My now wife, um, I met her in Nashville, was living there, and um she got into graduate school in Chicago at um University of Chicago. Okay. And I started coming back up with her and all my friends from the previous time I had lived in Chicago pretty much had moved to the suburbs, you know, started families. And um Sean and I had been we'd stayed in touch over the years, and um, one of the First times I came up for an extended trip, I was just like, "Hey, man, why don't we get together and play? Why don't we just hang out and play?" And Sean was playing music with a few different artists at the time. He had a rehearsal space that he was sharing, so his, his gear was set up. And, um, I think I took the, I think I took the the metro to the blue line, and you picked me up, and we went to your <laughs> oh, rehearsal God. space, and um, oh, we right. just. You know, I didn't even have any equipment at the time. I had sold a lot of my stuff. Oh, I just wow. played a guitar and an amp that were at his space that belonged to someone else. And we wrote a ton of ideas that day. And I would say probably three of which are on the Mirrors album. Oh, wow. So that was about 2015, I'd say, that we started playing with some regularity. That's wild. And we wild. T- took it pretty slow, you know. We For a very long time, we were just playing for the fun of it when we... You know, and before we even, I mean, we knew we really liked what we were doing, but it took a little while before we started to imagine that this could work. We we started doing some recording sessions in Chicago, pretty much just the two of us and moving forward with these songs with no, no real solid vision of, you know, we had, we had ideas. We kind of share some aesthetic sensibilities and we were moving this amorphous thing down the field in the same direction and kind of the goal was just to just to keep the ball moving and we just thought if we don't stop then it'll figure itself out
0: and it seems to have figured itself out so mir started off as a duo (laughs) then when did we actually
1: played a few shows as a duo
0: oh really
1: yeah,
0: yeah. I did. And was it was it like uh, all the original stuff that you were playing? Because the first single off the album yeah. is a Jeff Buckley cover, which is yeah. incredible. And we'll get into that in a second. But
1: yeah, that came way later. It was um, it was pretty much all original stuff. That yeah, it awesome. was even some stuff that Brian had been working on on his
2: own beforehand too. It was some stuff that wound up not being nears, but it was still Brian McSweeney. It was just some yeah, it was just
1: stuff that stuff that i was writing that would come out later subsequently on an album that i put out under my name but at the time it was just like stuff he was just like let's play whatever we have
0: okay because i wanted to ask you about that because i did see some videos uh for firefly destroyer stockholm the good news
2: those are great those are great Mm -hmm. videos
0: stockholm i I love stockholm That's so good. Mm-hmm. killer. So was it that kind of Thank stuff, you. or was it other songs?
1: No, it was more acoustic oh, okay. stuff. I put an album out at the end of 2016 called "As the Bluebird," and it's it's largely it's largely acoustic at its core, acoustic okay. vocal. I mean, there are instruments on it, but it's to be um, audacious. I would say it has an Elliot Smith. Kind of vibe. Okay. You know, that's really what I was inspired by, and kind of you know using as a model at the time.
4: I tried to build a house upon.
1: As a two-piece, when Sean and I were playing, it, some of the some of the more up-tempo songs weren't completely out of line with with some of the Mirror songs. You know, one song might be electric, one song might be acoustic. Yeah, but it was in the realm of stuff that could exist together in a set.
0: Okay. When did the band start to flesh itself out as a five-piece? Because you also have Andre Miller, Patrick Riley, and Dimitri. I'm going to butcher this. Is it Rakuba? <laughs> Yeah, you got it. Oh, man, that's lucky. That one was lucky. How did you guys, how did the rest of the band come to to be part of (laughs) yours?
2: Early on, I wanted to be in a band with Brian, but I wasn't sure. I really didn't think that was ever going to happen. But I always thought to myself what that would look like if I was, if I did have a band with him. And I remember a person in Wheaton that played in another band, and that band would play with Brian with Matthew and, and with him and with with Brian solo. And that was very early on. And I would go to those shows. And I remember seeing Dimitri in this other band called Scarecrow Garden. They were really, really wonderful at the time. Their record was really good. Oh, cool. And I ran into him when I was married. I was with my wife backstage at Concord Music Hall in Chicago. And I saw a stagehand. I looked over and it was Dimitri working the venue. Oh, wow. And I, t- Hey man, and this was very early on. This was pretty quick after Brian and I started playing together. And I said, Hey, I'm starting at this, this thing with McSweeney, which is, we got some songs. It's kind of interesting. You should really come by the space and check it out. And Dimitri did. And immediately we knew that Dimitri was a person of interest for us.
1: Right. <laughs>
2: He showed up extremely fucking late. <laughs> <laughs> we were so tired, and when he started playing, we realized that he could play really wonderful guitar in a way that I hadn't heard, and he can also play really wonderful piano. He had a good, oh. good feel for like key voicings. So that was that was interesting. It's like, <laughs> oh shit, this, you know, I always knew he was a badass, but I didn't know it to what degree. And it was through that time he was. It was the three of us for a while. We played one, no, we played three shows as a duo. We played two shows, sorry, three shows as a trio with Dimitri. And then we've we've done so far, I think now we're on, we're entering our sixth show, I think sixth or sixth show as a full quintet.
0: Oh man. Yeah, yeah. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Still feeling out the uh, the live presence, I guess it's coming together.
1: We've been we've been working it out for a handful of years now, and mm. it took you know the process of writing this album because you know again a lot of these songs started from the place of like a two piece, and Sean and I would go into the studio and record the bones and kind of get that stuff ready and then we would have Dimitri play some overdubs and then like there's a friend of mine who was actually momentarily he was the bass player in Matthew he's just like one of the most incredible musicians and he played some bass on the album and as we were building this stuff we started I mean Andre came along and we started playing that was kind of slow going I mean, at some point we were just like, you know what, we got to, this is a priority. We have to play live. We've got to get this stuff down. And we started learning the parts Okay. and we had people in the room learning stuff that they didn't necessarily write. And maybe they did play a part and I edited it to create something that didn't exist before in Pro Tools just to make like some sweeping reverb part or a texture or something. Regardless, we're figuring out how to play this stuff, and it took a little while. Yeah. But now we um, we turned a corner when pretty much I'd say when Patrick started playing with us a few years ago where we've been writing faster than we've ever written before just with the five people in the same room. We've got the better half of, I mean, the better part of a second album written at this point. Oh wow! And, um, the new stuff is definitely, um, it's, it's really, it's inspiring, but the writing and yeah, we are, we are working it out live and the live stuff, the more new music we write, the more the live set is kind of coming together because when we're, as we're playing the new stuff, we're writing it all together. So there really is no like going back and trying to figure out who, who's going to do what on this part. It's like, just play the part that you wrote, and okay. and we were very we we're very critical with our writing in in the room. So once it's done, it's done. You know, we yeah. we write for impact for every part of the song, and the first time that happened was Sinistry, that we all kind of wrote together, and I think you can feel that in the recording. goal is that the arrangements are very impactful mm-hmm. and all of the hard work is done in the writing. And once, once that's there, you know, <laughs> bringing that to life is, is really, it's already done. The hard work is already done.
0: Sinistry is one of the songs that grew on me as the more I listened to the album. I mean, I liked it, but the more I listened to it, the more I like it. And I think I accidentally emailed you that note today. So <laughs> I was trying to make it encouraging,
1: notes. man. It was inspiring. Oh, good.
0: I, you know, out of context, you just never know how somebody's going to take that kind of thing. It's like, oh, so you didn't like it at first and now it's going on. Well, it's good to know that the people
1: that you're going to be talking with are into the music. That really helps when the people that you're going to be talking with like the music that you're going to be talking about.
0: I hope so. And yeah. I, I wanted to find out a little bit about the first single you guys did. It's, it's a very unusual single. And you chose to do a Jeff Buckley cover from a song off his posthumous album Sketches for my Sweetheart the Drunk you guys did Gunshot Glitter which was unfinished it's a great demo for Jeff Buckley but that was ambitious to choose yeah. and it you guys crushed it i it's to me and i i, I don't want this to sound weird but it definitely sounds like a direction jeff could have taken the song you know you never you can't say awesome. one way or another what, what he was going to do with it this is a demo but it definitely sounds like a legitimate direction that it could have gone and it's so un- incredible the vocals the music is just amazing it's got a mix of that really raw guitar sound that he had on the demo and yeah. a lot more polished parts too it's It's really a wild mix. I absolutely love it.
2: I'm really glad that you listened to it at the depth that you did because you, you, you specifically noted the same guitar sound that was in that four track recording. That was something that was extremely intentional with Brian and, and myself, the way that we were like, let's, we would play that recording over and over. Like, let's mimic that. Let's get that as close as possible. Brian's really good at that. Brian's good at hearing something and figuring out how it's made and dissecting it. And, and technically, Kind of re- recrafting it, and and man, there's that one break when he's singing, and it's just the guitar. Yep. Or goes into the chorus, you know, and it's just so fucking good. It really is. Uh, you know, Brian did that. His vocals, he that was the first take of of the. That was the first take. Whoa. And in drums, it was the same way. The drums and the bass, the drums, the bass, and the singing. Brian played bass. Brian sang. Matt Johnson played drums and that was all done, you know, in the first take, the vocals were recorded. Separate. He was just walking around studio B at electrical with an SM 57 and just pushing it against his mouth and just pouring it out of him. And it worked. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, so it was cool.
0: Did you guys know Matt before? I know Sean, you, you'd mentioned it before, you know, a little earlier in the podcast. How did you guys get him involved in It was, it was, it was, was he happy to do it or was he kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know. No, we were, we were
2: afraid of the latter. We were afraid that he would have some reservations because of the content yeah. and that was something, you know, Brian and I very early on had some couple dinners, couple drinks, <laughs> figuring <laughs> that out, knowing how to ask and how to even shape it to him so he can understand that, you know, we don't want to kind of bastardize something that, is sacred. But then after talking with them and after more conversation and making the music with them, there was nothing sacred. It's not a sacred cow. It's not a, a thing to, you know, it's, yeah. it is Jeff, but I, 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 we just, we are such lovers of his music that we thought it'd be really fun to creatively imagine a completed version like what if we finished the song so to speak and like how how dare we say that but at the same time doing so makes you exercise um do you just really take the time to take yourself out of it and really go from your perspective to his um what would what would jeff do (laughs) you know and i think matt was really helpful with that too he he had some thoughts on it in fact brian what did he tell you afterwards about working on that song with him didn't he say something too we
1: talked about it recently yeah he just when we were working it out in the room i remember him saying like you know jeff wouldn't have wanted to be precious about it he would he would have said like fuck it just let's throw whatever at the wall. Let's see what happens. You know, just the most important thing, like, let's just have fun with it. Let's just make it real, you know, make it feel good. And, um, afterwards we were have we're hanging out, having some drinks and having some tacos at the end of that day. And Matt said, he was just like, man, this, I'm so happy with the way this turned out. Jeff would have loved this. Oh, wow. Would have been so proud of this. And it was like one of those moments, you know, like wow, I could probably just be done making music now and <laughs> it would be okay. Right. Seriously, and... like not many people get an opportunity to yeah. like Yeah, to Who... have that kind of validation. Yeah, exactly. Like he was one of my favorite artists, you know, like one of the most fundamental artists for me and one of the most meaningful periods of my musical journey as far as growth and and crafting what i still value today
0: your vocals you're one of the only people that i've heard that can do justice to a jeff buckley song there's you there's Thanks, jimmy necco and mm-hmm. um that's that's all i can think of right off the top of my head maybe uh steven david mckellar that's about it is there a reason you picked gunshot glitter over some of the other songs because i have heard you do a few other songs on the those Jeff Buckley tribute nights. Yeah. Uh, morning Theft, well, and I, mean, I like wine. Sure. Time
4: takes care of them, so I can You had so much to give, you thought I couldn't see. Gifts who heels to crush promises. To
1: I had to send it away to bring us back again. Sean presented the idea, and um, it was a really great idea. It's just a song that we both had discussed before, okay. and we both just really liked that song. I remembered when like, sketches you know, came out. Each other we liked that song. That's
2: what was cool about it. Both of us liked it in the late 90s on our own. We discovered it, and it's a very, at the time, it was really rare. Go ahead, Brent.
1: Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, we both really liked it and it was a, it was a rare track and we thought, wow, it would be cool to try to like, would it be too insulting to try to like finish it? Like, why not? You know? And and another thing was like when, well, when it came out, I mean, now it's a different story. Now you can, I'm pretty sure you could find it out there, but you know, when it came out for for like over a decade, at least a decade, it was only on the Japanese import version of the B-side disc of sketches. So if you bought sketches in the United States or like any other country besides Japan, it was an invisible song, you know? Yeah. I just found the Japanese import in um, the import section of a record store in Texas. And I noticed I had an extra song. I'm like, what the fuck? So I bought it. That was another thing. We just thought, well, nobody even knows this song. So that'd be kind of a, Lower stakes way to, yeah. to okay. do it. We're not on like The Voice
2: or American Idol covering Hallelujah for the 530th <laughs> time, you know? Exactly. And by, still one of my favorite songs of all time and favorite recordings of all time. It's not a knock on that. It's just, it's been beat to the ground a little bit, you know? Exactly,
0: exactly. When Whenever you hear somebody say they love Jeff Buckley, that's the song they pull out. So
1: Yeah, that's the song, sure. yeah. Not Dream Brother. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the Nag Champa oh, mix.
2: I, oh, the mix, that's right. It's it, a little strange. That is a little those, weird. was <laughs> like
1: those reverb little echoes they had yeah. uh, uh, the It looks is, like some incense, man, and put a rug <laughs> on the wall. It is so Nag Champa.
0: One of the things that's really interesting about the album, and we'll mention the title uh, Motion and Pictures, just so everybody knows what to look for, You start. You don't start off. Although "Gunshot Glitter" was the first single, that's not the opening track. No, but I love the opening track. Parallax is. It's. It's. I think it's my favorite track on the album right now. I absolutely.
1: That's the first idea that we wrote. Really, I I just. I love how it builds. So it
2: only felt right to have it as the first song on the record. That's. It just has. it, It has a really. It has a real chapter one kind of feel to it. Prelog.
1: <laughs> maybe even. <laughs> you know, it does, one but it really day, does. And one it, you can day hear People it. are and... gonna hear that memo. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Look outside motor.
4: No, that's not blood on my teeth. Just come in here off the street into the place where we eat. Do it forever. On and on a of
2: but yeah, it's it's really beautiful track, and it has this. Uh, it really sets this sort of cinematic tone, for lack of a better word. It sounds that can sound pretentious, but it really does. It has like this beginning of a movie type of feeling to it. And that lends to the overall theme of motion and picture, of the music having a, a bit of like a a, a film depth in, in that you can you can you can see the music, yes, um, and that's really hard to do. <laughs> like we're still figuring that
0: out. <laughs> the way I was thinking about this was I was listening to Matthew today at work, and then went into mirrors, and it sounds like mirrors is. Matthew, but Matthew's seen some shit now.
2: Oh, that's a good way to put
0: it. <laughs> and Matthew's Matthew's matured a bit, so Matthew's gotten a little darker. And yeah. that's that's one of the things I really liked about it is the darker, more mature sound of it. There's it, not guitar solos of it. In fact, you know, you're hard pressed to find a, a, an actual you know guitar solo. It's the songwriting and the music mm-hmm. that the the musician musicianship that hooks me in and keeps me in and not a, you know, a fleeting guitar solo somewhere. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's a cool effect. It's the whole song. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. The only, the only time that we had a solo in the record for, for the record, the only time we ever had a solo was on the bridge of the song knockoff in the middle of the record. And the great thing about that, it's not really a solo. It's actually Dimitri in the control room with Brian given multiple opportunities to try something really different outside of the typical solo role. But Dimitri's a badass guitar player. He has licks to begin with, but he doesn't really express those in this type of a band. But it was the only time when he kind of let it fly. But what we did is we actually recorded him twice and we took both solos and equally put them on top of each other. Oh, wow. And we thought, let's make that interesting. Let's do something with that. That was Brian's idea.
1: That and, is amazing. And it's like essentially, you know, you call it a guitar solo, but it's essentially yeah. just like two notes played frantically. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wow. Like like Neil Young, you know, playing the it's A. It's more about the expression oh. of the note than it is about shredding.
0: It's Mir's version of Cinnamon Girl solo.
2: Exactly. It's Neil Young playing the fucking A. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the, the song for me that competes with Parallax the most for my favorite is Fields... And what is the full title of that one? I only wrote down Fields, fields and Forest. Fields and Forest. Thank you. I'm that was one that of the
1: first that. songs we wrote, too.
0: Really?
4: A voice is saying there's something to see. And the heavens open. Show
0: everything I don't understand. You say one day I'm gonna know my
1: name. Man, I love your yeah, came, Didn't we come up with both of those ideas in the first day? I think we did. That means that we had
2: four ideas from that first day on the record because we also have what is it? Give. Well no, give's not on the record. <laughs>
1: That's not on the album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spasmatic.
2: Spasmatic. That's it, spasmatic. Spasmatic. We have a lot of other paradox. material. We have a lot of material that didn't make the cut, Man. which is interesting. Yeah.
0: So all right. Yeah. So on that note, you guys started putting stuff out right before the was it before the pandemic? Just before the pandemic? When when three months? Yes. Was that one of the reasons why you guys spent a lot of time on the album and put out you know one single at a time before putting out the entire album and not? playing a whole lot of live shows was was it because of the pandemic or was it on purpose it was both okay yeah well that's fair right
1: yeah i mean obviously the pandemic put everything you know really hampered everything but we didn't really we didn't stop it also kind of coincided with where we were in our journey we were really turning a corner into like the 75 percent I don't know, 75 to 85% mark as far as completion of the album. And a lot of stuff overdubs vocals um I just did in my studio at home. And um that was around the time that we where we thought we we got to we got to start playing. Like we got to learn this stuff and when this pandemic is over people are going to be out there getting after it and right. we got to be ready. So Sean came up with the idea to do like a live recording, a live documentation of kind of where we were at that time with the songs. And, and honestly, that was, we were playing like the songs that we could play at that point.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Those
1: were the songs that that we possibly could play. Because like I said, like a lot, some of the members came, came along One of Patrick, you know, Patrick didn't play very much on this first album at all. He joined the band much later. So as we were learning how to play this stuff, that was, we we kind of, we recognized that once the pandemic's over, we're going to need to know this stuff. So we had some rehearsals. We really dug in. We started hashing through the stuff. And, um, it was Sean's idea to make a a video that will be out soon. you know, you've seen Sinistry, the live version of that possibly is, um, from, from that live session. Oh, okay. I, think we vidio- we, I think we recorded six songs in that session. And, and I, I sincerely think that at that time, those were the only six songs that we
0: could play. Oh, wow. Well, that version of Sinistry is what really flipped the switch on that song for me. I, I heard that. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. It, it really started to click. And then I went back and listened to it live a couple of times on the way home today from work. And I was like, all right, this, this song's really, really growing on me
2: yeah it it sounds the live version sounds caffeinated
0: <laughs> yeah it does well that's a good you know? okay. so that's a good a good point before we get into that. i do want to mention that a lot of the songs start off kind of subtly like parallax yeah. and fields and but the subtlety kind of doesn't it, it's subtle unlike the song that follows it knock off which scared the shit out of my wife when we were listening to it in the car the other day <laughs> so. oh good 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 good, good. <laughs> we were listening to it all of a sudden that I mean that was kind
1: of the point we wanted it yeah. to be a one two punch
0: oh it was it's amazing I I, I, and I love that kind of stuff that song is definitely a bit of a departure from the rest of the album <laughs>
2: That's an old Brian demo. Is it? Oh, yeah. man. We yeah, um, before Mirrors. It was uh, long before it became officially Mirrors. It was something that Brian had passed on to me. Well, he passed on to me during Mirrors, but he created it long, long before that. I love that. Yeah, the, bass
0: that I
1: on it. You, um, the bass player that I told you, the bass player that played on some of the stuff on our album, um, he and I used to live across the hall from each other. Um, in Chicago, years ago, okay, and we would get together and make music and I think I think that was honestly an idea that came from a period where we were both super into the to the gorillas. I think it was like right around when their first album came out, okay, yeah, and we were just making some beats and and writing, and that that melody, like the the bass like the main melody of the song came from the bass player Adrian. Uh, and I always loved it and we, it just worked. You know, I thought when, when Sean and I started playing, it's like, well, this is a really cool idea. Why don't we try it? Why don't we see what it sounds like with drums? And um, yeah, I do think it's a bit of a departure, but I think at the same time, it really works on the album. It, I think it really fills a hole that would have been there without it.
0: Yeah, I can, I can see that. And, and I, I love that squeaky sax the Barry Sax, yes, yeah, that is incredible. I've
1: my friend Paul in Nashville who played that. He's such a good guy. He plays with a ton of artists in Nashville, and he's he's just such a a, a great dude. He's been he's been texting me for like the last several years. <laughs> like, dude, when we you going to put that music out? And I uh, just like three days ago. I sent him the link to that song. I'm like, here you go, man. Check it out. And oh, nice. He's like, oh, dude, this makes my Friday.
0: <laughs> oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. He's so
1: good. And well, you know what's so fun? It's like, it's so hard when you're working with very trained musicians. It can be very hard when you're working with very trained musicians yeah. to get them to do something unconventional because it feels so wrong. And to, to say, you know what, play, I want you to play a dissonant note on the strings and make it sound <laughs> eerie and creepy. One note for five minutes, that's what we're going for here. And, <laughs> and like, it's it's almost like they can't do it. They can play Paganini, but they can't do that because yeah. everything in them says that's wrong, right? That's bad, you know? But I was like, Paul, we want you to make this sound like a person is screaming through your saxophone and he's like yeah man got it and he just crushed it
0: (laughs) oh that is awesome i love hearing that stuff
2: brian wanted ornette coleman
0: (laughs) (laughs) i I do have a question about the songwriting because to me the the drums are so prominent in this album and it feels to me to my untrained non-musician ear that the songs are kind of built around the drumming, that it's not a mm-hmm. riff that you guys have come up with. It's, it's the drums. And then the song kind of takes shape around that. Is that the case at all? Yeah, I- no,
2: that, that's, that's a very fair assessment. There's been a lot of songs, mm-hmm. even including a lot of our new material where the music is written around the drums. Okay. And it's interesting. Brian is very, uh, he's a very good drummer. He's very rhythmic. He takes things, everything he does. He takes things with syncopation where the one is tempo being even, it's very extremely important in, in what we do together that we really lock in. So yeah, rhythm is—it's so great to have a singer, a, a writer, a lyricist who always takes consideration that the rhythm that has to take place whenever that moment's being made—that's gotta—that's you know front and center.
0: It shines through throughout the whole album, it, and it makes the songs feel complete. And you know, it's not just "Hey, I came up with this cool riff; let's write something around it." So yeah, yeah, it's solid. Well, I mean, I think
1: it. I think it goes back to thank you. I think it goes back to that was the start of our sound. I agree. Writing as a two-piece, to me, you don't even you don't need a bass when you're writing. You need you need rhythm, you need melody, mm-hmm. and you need a pad you know whether that's a guitar or a keyboard or whatever so my guitar when we were playing i would soak it with reverb and play parts that sounded more like a texture than rock chords or whatever so you've got like the texture base the drum skeleton and then the melody vocal over top of it and i think that's why the drums are so prominent because they were one of the the key elements in the way that we, the, the way that we write. It's yeah, like the so ground floor of a building, you know? Okay. Yeah. Brian adding, uh, Annie, you
2: know, Brian adding those effects really sort of takes the place of two people too. It sort of makes us sonically into a trio when we couldn't, couldn't have one at the time. Okay. We didn't have one. But then, but then when Dimitri got involved that, he did that with Brian. So then we, we sounded like four people, you know what I mean? (laughs) Dimitri is a special talent as well. The way that he fills space and the way that he instinctually knows where Brian's going, or he figures out pretty quickly how to play off of what Brian is doing. And that is really the genesis of, of sort of this giving shape to abstract approach that we have right now. It really comes from those two playing together and now having Andre and Patrick in the mix, they think that way too on their contributions on their instruments and what they decide to approach, what they decide to play. And there, there is a real, uh, what did I say yesterday? There's a, there's a real telepathy happening and it's happening fast. Um, that telepathy has always been Brian and me. We think a lot of ideas and Thoughts and even negative things we think a lot at the same time. And a lot of times we, one of us brings it up. The other one's like, I was just going to say that. or I was just thinking about that and it happens and it's starting to spread among the others, you know, that is, so awesome. we're writing fast. We're writing really fast.
0: So you, you mentioned, oh shit. I don't remember what you mentioned, but I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to segue into something and I don't remember exactly how I was going to do this, but the album, it's not a, a loud bombastic album but the way you end it is interesting really interesting to me because you end it on two quieter tracks wolf and sheepskin yeah. and the short instrumental olivet
4: mm-hmm.
0: i really like how it ends on a softer note that's a little bit different from a lot of other bands who will try to end on this big flourish and you guys just yeah. kind of well, here we go
2: yeah, that, that big flourish you mentioned is, is spasmatic as a whole, but really towards the end, that's the big moment. But when you watch the end of a film that has a big moment, you have to have end credits. Yes. That's what we wanted to, to do. Yeah, I mean, we've, we talked
0: about that. That's awesome. You know? I like that because being a visual guy, I was a photographer for years. Being a visual guy, I, I love stuff like that. The, the very different approach that you guys have taken to creating this album thinking of it more visually
1: Mm -hmm. and we're taking that same approach to designing a live experience as well we're going into that trying to be as thoughtful as we can from song to song as far as representing each song slightly differently and putting you in a different visual space so absolutely
0: what was the all right so i want to find out a little bit more about live here live shows before we start to wrap up because i love live music i love seeing bands live. i love seeing my guests on the podcast when you guys if, if you guys come to dc count me in i will definitely we, be there we
2: need, we need to play dc man oh dc we, awesome i reach out to you for that too
0: oh yeah i would definitely help do whatever i can to help you guys out yeah. man awesome that's awesome yeah. The first gig as a five piece, what was, was that like? I mean, starting off with three of you or two of you, then, you know, Dimitri joining and then suddenly you're at Quintet. Was there some anxiety there or was was it just a natural progression at that point? Did you just feel comfortable on stage? A
1: little bit. I mean, we, there was a big buildup. It was an event. It was a private event and um, there were a bunch of artists on before us. So, we really didn't know anyone. So we, there was a lot of pacing around backstage and plenty of time for, for nerves. And I I think I was warming up and drinking tea for like two hours or something (laughs) before we actually ended up going on, but it was fun. I mean, it was honestly, I feel like it went pretty smoothly for a first show. I was pretty concerned because like some of the songs, a couple of the songs were a little high at the time. And, um, I had my voice and I feel like it was, I don't remember any any train wrecks or anything, Sean, do you?
2: (laughs) No, in fact, it was a very good show. The sound was a struggle for us because we weren't used to hearing each other on a live stage where there's so much room in front of us. We write Uh and demo our material here at my place. We have a loft in East Garfield that we work at, East Garfield Park. So you're used to hearing each other in that space and those dimensions and that proximity to each other. So adding monitors, adding 20 feet of ceiling space, adding a 500 capacity size room on a stage that's, you know, floated a few feet up, it begins to change things. Yeah. So that was fun though, because that was the first push out of the nest. at such an early part. This, this is it. This the five of us doing it. Brian and I have been at it this long, this is what we worked for. We decided to make the record first. It's so important to emphasize that that choice, that we formed the band while making the record. We didn't become a band, play some bars, put some money together, make a record of all the songs we've been working on. We're just doing that now. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, but, but really it, it, was, it was intentional to keep a low profile, to limit output for right now. The things that we put out into the world are things that we believe in and things that we really want to feel pleased with, uh, aesthetically and purposefully. But at the same time, we need that stuff had to start coming out more consistently. Right. So it was cool seeing that transition to full band. And then suddenly we're finally playing on a stage and really having a lot of fun, laughing and having a good time with each other in, in small private ways that we do. We, we laugh a lot. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a fun band to be in. It really is outside of like the writing, these (laughs) epic, (laughs) you know, but then it was the second show hideout, which really sort of set a direction. It set a seriousness. It set a, Oh, you know what? We need to, to get, this is going to go somewhere. Wow. We need make this, something that we put some some real time in we should care about our live show and that was the first show where we took the venue space into consideration and we brought our own lights we brought our we had them shut off all their lights in the whole place oh wow all their lights yeah we turned off everything just um literally unplugged it just turn it off (laughs) and we, we we sort of minimized the tone we minimized the light we minimized color and it was cool, and, and, and we kind of created – we did some other things there visually too. I won't get into it, but each room that we play at, we try to slightly alter the way that that room is usually perceived in the live experience. What they, how, what they offer, we – unless it benefits the show, we, we tend to cut off what they provide, and we, we bring our own thing. It's fun. It's really fun. Oh. And in the most minimum, we're not, we're not bringing, like, Van Halen fire and, right. like, you know, like – <clears throat> Spinning out of like spinning out of the drums to feed people, you know. It's (laughs) it's, I don't even know if that ever happened, but but um.
0: You know, you don't have that Tommy Lee cage around your drums where you can spin around 360. No,
1: Uh, we've talked about that. No, I wish I'd seen
0: that. Oh, I'm I'm dying to see a live show. I cannot wait for you guys to come to the area because I just want to hear how the stuff sounds live. I love the record, but here I. I, I'm dying to hear it live because to me it, with a a good band it'll sound even better live and the album is so wonderful that I just I, I just can't wait to hear what you guys do with it live. Awesome. Knowing what you did with the Jeff Buckley song, so you guys set the bar pretty high with that.
1: I <laughs> did. did I love playing I it. practice? Give yeah. up to it. <laughs>
0: So, are you going to? Are, do you guys have a tour set up yet? Are you working on that? Is there are there possible dates We're in the future?
2: setting up dates right now. We've been setting it up each day for the last two months. <laughs> it's Excellent. a daily effort of checking in. But yeah, we are definitely planning dates right now. There's not much to announce. I think once we have everything set in place, I think then we'll start putting the word out. But we are going to have some dates. Going south, southwest, west. Don't forget, east. friends. You got to come east. east. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> going to be some that's we're looking forward to. It. It needs to make sense.
0: Well, if I can help you out in any way, I can. I'll point you to some some pretty awesome venues in DC if you guys are heading this way. It's absolutely
1: uh, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you right cool. off
0: the top of my head. I think you guys would crush at Union Stage. It's a, I want to play there. Bad. (laughs) (laughs) It's a sweet venue. Where can people follow the band and get updates on tours and music and and buy the album Motion and Pictures?
2: Sure. So vinyl will be ready by the summertime. We'll have LPs. Nice. Vinyl. Um we'll be streaming everywhere. We'll have cassette. We'll have CD. You know, we'll have download, digital download. So there are every way possible right now except for vinyl on march 24th
0: oh wow cassette still blows yeah. me away man that that's coming back
2: yeah and then really you can go to our band camp you can find us on
1: social it's pretty easy but it's two i's m-i-i-r-r i'd say our band camp check that out for the music and well we'll be listing our live dates on Bandcamp as well absolutely
0: good awesome well guys I know I've kept you for a while, but this has been a blast. I'm really thrilled that you guys w- agreed to come on because I've just loved this album. I, the first thing I heard was Gunshot Glitter, and after that, I was like, I gotta get these guys on. I'm hooked.
1: Man, yeah, well, brother, thank you for your time. Yeah, help us spread the word. Thank man. you for putting the work in and actually listening to the music and doing some research. That's really awesome.
4: Stop let